Welcome to Facts Matter, the podcast discussing Michigan public policy through a research lens. Facts Matter is brought to you by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan, a 104-year-old independent nonprofit research organization that provides unbiased information on the significant issues concerning state and local government organization and finance. Our research can be found at crcmich.org. Now, let's dive into the facts that matter. Welcome back to another edition of Facts Matter. My name is Joe Steele. Today, we have Craig Thiel, Research Director for Citizens Research Council of Michigan. Craig, welcome. Yes, thanks for having me. Today, we are here to talk about uh, the schools, the public school system across the state of Michigan and the impact the pandemic has had on the schools uh, from an employment point of view. We know that the private industry has gone through its uh, struggles with being shut down certain sectors by the government. The schools really have no choice but to continue. So they've had to battle how do they go about continuing to educate students um, throughout the pandemic. But there's been some, some light shown on a problem that the schools have had with employment uh, and turnover uh, across the state. And this pandemic has really uh, exacerbated that or really shown a light on that. So, Craig, you recently wrote a blog on the Citizens Research Council of Michigan uh, website that from September of 2019 to September of 2020, uh, Michigan had lost over 15,000 public K-12 through education jobs, um, which is one of the largest drops in the, uh, in the nation. Um, now, we know that all of those are not teachers, but can you shed a little bit of light on, on what that means and what you found in this initial research? Sure. We noted back when the pandemic took hold in Michigan uh, in the early spring, its effects on employment in the state of Michigan. And the employment picture went from fairly good in Michigan on a steady clip of increase across multiple sectors. recovering from the Great Recession and the damage done there. And with the onset of the pandemic, employment took a major hit. And this is across all industries in Michigan and across the country. And we heard of, you know, 20% losses in some industries um, month over month. And that was, you know, something we had never seen. Um, And public sector jobs weren't immune to that. Uh, We saw a decline, a rapid decline those first three months. And we expected that. Um, And as the pandemic has, um, you know, developed and matured, and uh, some of our industries and business sectors that were closed early on have opened up, the employment picture in those industries has improved, but nowhere near to the point where we're back pre-pandemic. The same story can be told about the public sector uh, at the state and local level. And recently I looked at what has happened from a year over year perspective with public K through 12 education employment in Michigan. That's a sector that entails everything from teachers, bus drivers, custodians, administrators, Mm -hmm. and um, they weren't immune from the effects of the pandemic. So we looked at changes from September of last year, the beginning of last year's school year to 
September of 2020. And we found that the state had lost about 8% of its total K through 12 employment. Um, and that on a national basis was much greater than the national average. Um, so this is not a Michigan only problem. This is a, a, a national problem. Um, the public sector by and large can't just you know, shut down and roll up its sleeves and say, we'll come back after the pandemic. Um, the private sector can't do that either. But when, you know, the government is, shuts down certain industries, the private sector has nothing else to do but to lay off people. The public sector jobs continued to have to be filled, whether it was patching holes in roads, you know, showing up in a classroom. So we've been monitoring this, uh, public sector employment over the pandemic. And we've seen a real pronounced decline in public education jobs. So we noted that that was not all teachers. You mentioned custodians, you mentioned bus drivers. I mean, with, with a, many of the schools being remote, at least in the beginning of the school year, um, some starting uh, some starting in person, then going remote and, and, and some, you know, the mismatch of, uh, of really how school got started this year. Um, we understand that, you know, we don't need, uh, or the school drivers, the school bus drivers didn't have routes, right? They didn't have students to carry and custodians didn't necessarily have, have buildings to, uh, to, uh, to take care of. So we know that this is not all teachers, but do we know how many of these positions are solely due, the, due to the pandemic? Because I understand this is a problem that Michigan has seen over the last 15 years. I mentioned, you know, a high turnover of, of, of school positions, you know, 20% year after year trying to be refilled. Uh, is this a situation that is just an expansion of the problem that we've already had? Or is it is it a just a continuation that the pandemic didn't necessarily impact? Is it too early to tell? Or do we do we know that teachers were making specific decisions or these people were making specific decisions not to come back to work? Well, a lot to unpack there for sure. The bottom line is that we don't know the full extent of the employment losses in terms of who it's impacted. The, obviously, as you pointed out, the, the move to remote education probably changed uh, how teachers do their work, um, but it also changed how schools operate. Um, you mentioned not running bus routes because of remote learning. You mentioned not you know, serving meals because of kids are at home. Uh, I should note that feeding programs uh, for people who can't afford food have continued during oh, the pandemic, yeah, but the have. traditional yeah. cafeteria workers have, have um, really don't have any work to do, bus drivers, as I mentioned, um, and whatnot. So it's likely that those positions probably have you know, been impacted the most uh, from an operations standpoint. Um, the decline, uh, the likely decline in teaching positions may have to do not so much with uh, the change to remote learning, but more uh, related to the pandemic itself and concerns over, uh, you know, health in the immediate household of a teacher, extended right. family, and just being exposed or potentially exposed to um, the virus. So um, we won't know for some time exactly how the, the loss of about 15,000 jobs um, year over year uh, is distributed across those different positions. Um, and it's possible that, you know, when schools reopen that a lot of those job losses may, will just be temporary and they'll be hired back. Um, 
but as the pandemic goes on and continues, uh, we would expect that the employment in this sector remains suppressed and below uh, what were levels of last year? But that's part of the part of the question, I suppose. Is what does it look like in the in the future? Will will they come back full bore? Will the state budget in the future allow for education to be funded the, at the same level it's funded now to bring all those all those people back, whether they be teachers, custodians, uh, school bus drivers? I think the future is 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 up for grabs right now in terms of what that looks like and being able to bring all these, uh, all these people back. Is that, uh, is that a fair assessment too early to tell? Well, money always matters. And, you know, we've seen um, the pandemic reduce tax receipts at state local level. And because Michigan funds the vast majority of K through 12 at the state level, um, the decline in state tax revenues uh, currently and projected in the future could have a, a material effect on the ability of schools to, to rehire those people. Uh, thus far, um, schools from a financial standpoint have been held harmless in the state budget for the current year, um, but the state is staring at roughly a billion dollar general fund shortfall in the, the next budget year. And who knows, we don't know uh, how the lawmakers will solve that problem and then if schools will remain harmless you know on a going forward basis um but the, the the bottom line is that the the decisions about funding schools will be in the hands of the legislature who is facing roughly a billion dollar shortfall looking into the next fiscal year so obviously the pandemic is having some sort of uh impact on uh, on this we know but we know that this has been a historical problem for the state of Michigan, at least over the last 15 years since the, since the Great Recession. You noted in a previous uh, blog post earlier this fall that um, Michigan has had a problem with this for years with high turnover rates and, and having to refill, you know, 20% of their, of their teachers um, each and every year, which costs money in terms of recruitment and training and, and uh, whether or not you have inexperienced new teachers versus some of the more veteran teachers, uh, you know, educating children. What does that mean to students and their learning abilities? Why is this a historical problem that Michigan has, ha has had? You mentioned it's not a Michigan-only problem as it relates to the pandemic and what's going on currently, but it seems to be a problem that we've had over the last decade. Is that a Michigan-only problem, or where do we compare to to other states' longer view over the last, say, 10, 15 years. Right, so the issue of teacher shortage has been problematic for um, a number of districts um, for years, um, and it's been growing steadily, um, you know, over the time frame that you're asking about. Um, and overall, the, the, the state still produces roughly enough teachers to fill you know all the positions that are, are available. The problem, the, the the issue is the distribution of those um, teachers and where uh, they uh, want to work and where they're able to find work. Um, and what we've seen over time is that there are specific teaching positions that have been hard to fill and that have developed shortages. There's also been specific geographic areas of the state where it's been difficult to fill positions. So what 
in effect this pandemic has done is kind of amplified this long-term trend in uh, at least uh, in the teacher profession, uh, the, the shortfall of, of teachers, um, certified teachers to, to lead classrooms. And you mentioned the 20% exit rate. Well, that 20% is a little misleading because it includes both those who just pull up and, and leave the profession. Mm -hmm. uh, about half of that percent, half of that 20% is, is a, those um, teachers. And then the other half are people who change schools. So, mm, you know, from okay. a statewide perspective, we aren't losing those individuals, but at the individual district level, they definitely have to fill those positions. So between right. retirements and exits, it's about 20% uh, on on balance each year, and um, you know this is a, a a problem. The state is just now starting to get its arms around, um, and I would say it's it's begun before the pandemic. But the pandemic is probably going to add some urgency to the policy uh, approaches to dealing with the teacher shortage in Michigan. Yeah, and you you mentioned in that in that piece that the state actually had started to take a look at some policy changes, at least on the, on the budget level of how do we retain teachers at their districts, right? You mentioned, you know, we may not be losing them in the state, but we're losing them from specific districts to other districts. So all politics is local and that really impacts a specific dis district while might not uh, impact the statewide numbers. The state really took, started to take a look at how we can address that uh, with the current budget by implementing some incentives to stay uh, in a district. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that came to be? And sounds like it was mirrored after a couple of different states. Right. So um, this is an issue. The teacher shortage is, is something we examined um, in a report that was issued um, early 2019. And uh, what we were able to, to, to say is that, you know, states and local districts can do things about this and uh, things have been policies have been adopted in other communities other states that have shown some effectiveness at approaching teacher shortage what we found is they need to be very specifically tailored they need to be uh, adopted uh, for the unique needs of the districts you know whether it's a, a certain type of position they're trying to fill or a certain type of student population special education general education mm -hmm. uh, classrooms that they're trying to uh, get a teacher in front of um, and what the state has done um, here recently through the budget is provided some financial incentives to teachers that agree to stick around. Um, there's often a, a high exodus rate in those first three to five years of a teacher's career. Various reasons there, but the bottom line is that there's a, a fairly uh, high exit rate. And one of the things that motivates people to stick around is, you know, being recognized financially for their efforts. And mm -hmm. so the state realized that and adopted uh, a line item in the budget that would provide uh, up to $1,000 per year to teachers who stick around in their district. And the way the program's set up is that uh, you'll get $1,000 after the first year, $1,000 dollars after the second year and a thousand dollars after the third year to kind of ins incent you to stay in those positions that's just one you know lever that the state has is the financial incentive side of things mm -hmm. um 
and, and it really gets at that teacher retention problem. There's other policies that, um, that other states have adopted outside of compensation, things like uh, professional development, building uh, a better uh, in, in districts, uh, relationships between administrators and teachers. There's just a number of policies that are still available to Michigan, still available to, uh, to local districts. I would point out that um, one uh, school, innovative schools uh, set up down in the Detroit area uh, at, on the campus of former Mary Grove College is, a, is an opportunity where uh, the University of Michigan is basically providing training to aspiring teachers um, to work in that setting and then transition them into full-time uh, teachers. So this is kind of a, um, you know, a grow your own type of setup. Um, and, and that has proven effective in some other parts of the country. So that's happening at the local level. It's not a, it's not a statewide, you know, intervention like the, the financial incentive uh, plan is. Will we be able to find out at some point in the future what this, uh, uh, the true impact of the pandemic was on this industry or if it was a continuation, if you will, of, of what we've seen over the last, over the last decade? Well, definitely. The, um, the monthly federal jobs numbers provide us insight into that. The state collects um, information annually on uh, employment in public schools, um, and we'll be able to analyze that. Um, you know, sussing out, you know, what has to do with the pandemic versus some other reason is always a challenge. You, you really can only do that through surveys. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not aware of any surveys that are planned to do that. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Um, some uh, enterprising uh, researcher may think to do a survey to find out, you know, what effect the pandemic uh, and the change in, in kind of the education landscape has had on their career choices. Um, but for the moment, we do know that, you know, this pandemic has kind of amplified a long-term trend in terms of the contraction of the public sector, or I should say public education workforce. What else can the state do in terms of trying to wrap their arms around this problem, specifically here in Michigan and, and teachers? Well, good question. I th think, as you pointed out, a lot of this information about teacher shortages um, is available at the local level, but that information isn't making its way up to the state government, Department of Education, um, for, you know, us to get a, a very clear picture of what shortages look like across the state. So what we've seen happen here in the last couple years uh, is the state's taking a more of an interest in asking local districts to report on, you know, what, who they're hiring, what positions they're hiring, where they're having a hard time doing that. And that is giving us a better picture of where you know, the, the, at least statewide where the needs are. Um, and that's, that's important. Our report in 2019 indicated that the state really isn't collecting the data that's necessary um, to do the analysis to pinpoint, you know, the size scope of a teacher shortage. Other states, um, our neighbor Minnesota and Massachusetts um, regularly uh, do these teacher supply demand reports um, and 
that's largely because the data is available for them to do that. But this is an important issue. It's a problem. And, um, you know, it, it probably should be one of the data items that, that the state really put some emphasis on and, and asking districts to, to provide the information about. Yeah, it really has uh, given us a look at that. And, and you can read um, more about this at crcmish.org. So, Craig, thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. And I'm sure we'll be talking more about education down the road. Thanks for having me. Along with this podcast, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan produces blogs, research papers, op-eds, and other resources to better inform Michigan citizens and policymakers. As an independent nonprofit, our work is funded by Michigan corporations, foundations, and individuals like yourself. If you like what you've heard, please consider making a donation by visiting crcmich.org and clicking on Get Involved. Thank you for your support.